Hello and welcome again to another encounter study. Um, we're um, again working on our new format, so this I'm hoping you're enjoying everything. Today we're going to be on our second lesson, which is going to be for December 11th, and that is going to be Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 9, God's chosen servant. And uh, my name's Chris Fleming, and I'm the Adult Ministries Coordinator for the Ministry Council of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. That's really long. And I am joined by... Hi, I'm Becky Zardi. I'm the Director of Ministry of the Women for the Ministry Council for the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. That's long. That is very long. Why does it keep getting longer? Because um, you talk slow. Oh, that's... Well, it's the first time I've been accused of that. Right. <laughs> uh, so let's go ahead and we'll have our prayer for illumination and then our memory verse. Just as Jesus was your chosen servant, O Lord... Let us also be your hands and feet on this earth, doing your will in the lives of others. Show us the path. Amen. Amen. And our memory verse comes from Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. All right. So far as our introduction there, Reverend, mm -hmm. um, Dr. Lancaster, uh, talks about some of the camping ministries that sure. are so prevalent in the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. Probably Absolutely. if you're watching this, the chances are very high that you went to a camp. At some point. Or retreat, CPYC, yeah. which by the way is our 100th year anniversary of that. Um, but anyway, it's been a very important part of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. And so Dr. Uh, Lancaster mm -hmm. uses this as a kind of a springboard. Sure. But I'll start with that discussion question then for you. Have you ever been homesick, and why is being home so desirable and comfortable? Mm, of course. I think we've all been homesick at some point in time. I can think of when I was a kid and at church camp myself when I was homesick, which was funny because I only lived four miles from the camp, but I was still homesick. But I think the bigger one was when I was in Europe traveling that was oh that's so terrible you know i mean it was I don't know how you handled it it was beautiful <laughs> and amazing but you know learning new cultures and different foods and it was just i was i was homesick so being home i guess is more is desirable and comfortable because it's it's, it's what we know yeah. it's it's our comfort place it's our comfort zone there's no bed like your own bed that's what I was going to say. Mm. So when me and my wife go on vacation, it's not so much that we're homesick. I think we miss our kids. We sure. miss our bed. We miss, well, she misses the animals. <laughs> um, not Leo. But I'm thinking that there's, it's probably more of a, it, it's more of a thought, right? It's more sure. of a feeling. It's more of sure. a grounding, uh, maybe is what it is. So in this passage... This is the passage in which Isaiah is proclaiming that the that the Israelites are coming back, and not only are they coming back home, they're also given this this mission. Like they are the servants of the Lord, mm -hmm. and so um, being as this is Advent, it's the third week of Advent. Um, we we might get a little taste because like we're awaiting the second coming of Christ yeah. to where then we go home. Yay, we have that yeah. feeling of, of home. That's uh, yeah. kind of what I got. What else you got in there? Yeah, I, I really like how Dr. Lancaster pointed out that 
we have new lessons that need to be learned, just like the Israelites. Yeah. You know, that's part of that's part of being away from home and then being able to come home is you learn new things and then you get to bring it back home with you. Yeah. Um, let's see what else I got here. So this also is a foreshadowing. So not only are we getting that the Israelites are coming to the promised land, coming back to the promised land, or it's also a promise of God going to send the ultimate servant, which is which is found in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, what else you got on that? You got anything else on the introduction? I don't think so. I think that was a pretty good way to bring us into Israel and what they have going on. Yeah, so in exploring the scripture, the historical and contextual setting, um, we, um, we got, it's weird here. So the Jews are called the servant of the Lord in Isaiah 41 and 44. Ultimately, we know that they fail, but that's the, that's the setting. Not only are they being saved, they are being saved for something. Right. And it's that for something that they often mess up with. Yeah. Um, they're, uh, the way we understand servant is almost as an ambassador. He, he says yeah, that he in does here. Say, he says the term mm-hmm. meant something like an ambassador or emissary. Israel was to reveal God's will to the nations, but so often fell short. Right. So the idea of an ambassador, when you think of ambassador, sure. so, so servant in this context doesn't need to be understood as slavery. Slave, right. It doesn't need, it's not even a hired hand. It's more of ambassador in which um, you are the representative of the person, of whatever person that may be. So mm-hmm. when you think of an ambassador, what do you think of? I, I think of the United Nations ambassadors. Ah, there you go. You know? I, I mean, we have we have ambassadors to all of the foreign countries that are called to represent the United States to these foreign countries, brokering deals with them and, and helping them understand how the relationship with the United States works. Yeah. And this is what Israel was supposed to do. That is what they were supposed to do. My, mm. When I grew up, the film JFK. There's this scene when Adelaide Stevenson is telling the world what's happening, and, and he's speaking on behalf of the U.S., specifically the president. But I, th- I think about that scene when sure. I think about ambassador, and that is almost this is exactly what Israel's supposed to do. Everything that was in in this Isaiah 42 was supposed to be they're working on behalf of God to the people of the world. Yeah, and they didn't do it well. No, so. They messed up a lot. Well, quite a bit. You know, but so do we. So <laughs> go to that discussion question because that doesn't stop. The people of God are still ambassadors. And sure. so the discussion question is, what are the similarities between the Jewish nation of the Old Testament and the church in the New Testament? Is the church the servant of God? And how are we to be a light to the nations, mm. like it says here? So mm-hmm. what do you, I mean, this is a good question to ask for your church. Sure, the, the Jewish nation was called to be ambassadors to their surrounding neighbors. They were supposed to show them what it meant to be servants of God and what it meant to serve Yahweh. Yeah. Same goes in the New Testament. We're ambassadors. We are members of and belong to the kingdom of heaven. And we are called to be ambassadors to the world around us. We're supposed to show our communities, our families, our friends, coworkers, what it means to be a part of this kingdom and what it means to be a follower of Christ. Like last last week, we talked about being light of the world. Mm -hmm. A city on the hill can't be hidden, right? That's right. And we're supposed to be the salt of the earth. 
and we do so in this in the way which God prescribes. Right. Right. That's the that's the trick trick part to it. The other the other thing that I then think about when you go down the street and you see like fifteen churches, mm. those are all I like to say outposts of the kingdom of God. The things that happen in that is like a U.S. embassy that like uh, think about uh, yeah. embassy in a, another country, uh, or when a citizen of the U.S. is in deep need when they're in a foreign place, yeah. you go to the embassy. That's right. right? Or when uh, a country, I think this has happened a couple times in the last 15 years or so, when a country is trying to make a statement against the United States in their hometown, what do they do? Mm-hmm. They blow up an embassy or something. Mm-hmm. So, But in a, in a very real sense, I think this is how we understand the church. We are ambassadors. And then the churches are embassies, places to where the values of the kingdom of God mm-hmm. are practiced each week, each day. Amen. Uh, I think so. I think we've done good there. Yeah, that was beautiful. Ready hopefully, to... hopefully we're doing that. <laughs> we try. Yes. You want to try to dig deeper? Let's dig a little bit deeper. Let's see if we can do it. <laughs> see how deep the hole goes. All right. So what Dr. Lancaster does here is to remind us that where Israel failed, Christ was faithful That's right. and he succeeded. So what I have written here is Jesus Christ as the embodiment of Israel fulfilled the mission of the servant of God and Jesus acts as light and in the uh-huh. darkness. Uh-huh. He's meek and he's righteous. And here's the trick. This is where Israel failed. In how Jesus Christ ruled and how he exerted his rule, he reflects the nature of God perfectly. Mm. Right? Amen. Israel sometimes ruled I don't know, wickedly? Is that how you would say? Sure. Oppressing the poor, using their military might, relying on their own strength. That's that's my teaching Uh, Well, yeah. I mean, if you think about um, when Jesus comes against the Pharisees in the New Testament, right? He said, you've heard it said, but I tell you. He's telling them that they they didn't get it. They they understood the words of the law, but not the heart of the law, not what it really meant to not murder. Which means don't be angry with your you know, if you if you hold if you harbor anger in your heart against your brother, it it is it is just like committing murder. Because you You're so angry separate them. You don't ever you don't even care what they're doing. No. And and when you don't care what they're doing, then their eternal soul is of no regard or consequence to you either. You know, I mean, so if, if, if they burn in hell, they burn in hell. Well, that's, that's not a good attitude for the church to have. Probably not. (laughs) That is not a good attitude. So yeah, these are, um, these are ways that Israel failed and Jesus succeeded because he showed the true way, the real way. Yeah. So also, so in that Isaiah chapter 42, there's a description of the servant, and that's what I was bringing up. So this um, scripture or prophecy points out that Jesus will come and he, he won't harm a bruised reed or he won't mm-hmm. snuff out the, the smoldering wick. And what that means is, is that when Christ comes, he's not going to conquer. And uh, in the uh, lesson, of course, we're assuming there's still going to be a war going on in Ukraine by the time you uh, hear this. But you have these acts of oppressors or whatnot, and they want something, and so they use weapons, and they they, um, 
threaten nuclear weapons. And Christ isn't that king. Christ not only desires peace and wants to establish peace, he does it by peace, by giving up himself, not by forcing things and not through violence or power or these kinds of things. Yep, Dr. Lancaster points out in the lesson, he said, this is a way of saying that every single person will be valued. Even those who are not acceptable in proper society are those who are marginalized. He will show great care and protect the dignity of everyone. And there's something to that. Like the way then the church, this is something you can you can think about how do we as a church establish peace and the rule of Christ in this world? Is it going to be through political power? Is it going to be through threatening? Sure. Or, just a thought, service, mm. giving up of ourselves to help brothers and sisters in the community, to, to create a community where everyone is valued. That's right. And I think that's how you do it. And you can't do it through... Um, Violence and oppression. No, we're political movements. No. You really can't. Mm-mm. It's love. It's all about loving your neighbor as yourself, truly. What else you got, Matt? If we, or we can move to the discussion question either. Yeah, let's move to the discussion question. All right. So, mm. I like this because it gets to what we were talking about. Yeah. Do the ends justify the means? Why was it important that Jesus was humble and grace-filled and how does this inform the church and christians in our attempt to influence the world (laughs) i think we've kind of talked about it we really have so the end justifying the means again if it if it means that our brothers and sisters are lost souls then obviously the way that we were trying to do things is not the right way to do them it is to invite people into this relationship with jesus um and you do that by being humble right. and full of grace. You know, if you're full of yourself, if you're pompous, if you're crass, that doesn't get you really far. I mean, you might have some limited amount of, of what people will perceive as a power, right. but that's not the real power. The power that comes from within being our relationship with Christ, being indwelled with the Holy Spirit that is the relationship that affects the world around us. And that's how we as the church and that's how we as Christians should be attempting to influence the world. It's not through violence and oppression and political takeover and beating people over the head with your yeah. with your Bible. That's that's not it. <laughs> that's what I was, so, I mean, you contrast the... One of the things we're going to learn as we go through the book of Matthew is that Jesus contrasts the way the Pharisees and the religious leaders act toward the people as opposed to how he calls us to act or how he acts himself. And so that's when we get, when you say pound somebody on the head with the Bible, yeah. it's that self-righteous pharisaical attitude that what do you think that's really going to win people over or is that going to make maybe you feel better in your church circle? And so that's the that might be the question you ask yourself in your Sunday school class is like, how is it that we are conducting ourselves? Is it as salt? Yeah or light, or is it as hammer and, I don't know, I mean, just, again, are you being an yeah. energy vampire, or are you <laughs> giving life wherever you go? That's right. That's, that's kind of important. Yeah. Anything else highlighted yeah. on that you wanted to talk let's, about? Let's learn from this scripture here. We're going to try to learn from the scripture. Um, being Advent, Dr. Estes brings up this preparation time. Dr. Like, Lancaster. Doctor, excuse me, who did I say? Estes. Estes. He did a couple encounters ago. He did. Um, 
but Dr. Lancaster brings up uh, the thought of preparing. Why is it that yeah. we prepare for something that happened 2,000 years ago? Sure. So what do you think? I think these, these customs and practices, they help us remember why we do things to begin with. So we prepare for the birth of Christ to remind us of what Christ did when he stepped down from the throne and came as a child born in Bethlehem. These, these are ways for us to remember and remind ourselves of the sacrifice that he made leaving that throne to come to be born in the, in the stable. Mm-hmm. You know, these are things, ways that we understand how Jesus did this. Yeah. It, it's a reminder. It's a reminder, and then like every other reminder that we have in Scripture or every other ritual that's prescribed in Scripture, it's also the way by which we pass those things on to our children. Mm-hmm. And so I think the uh, the discussion question basically asks, uh, what ways do your does your family guard against Christmas simply being a commercial holiday? Uh, and, and then... Um, what am I trying to like when you grow up you have these mom and dad probably try to make Christmas something more than sure giving of the you know next Santa game Claus, console you know when we observe these things we're not only remembering them but we're passing them on is mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say and so when we prepare then what we're saying is this is important enough for us to stop and make sure that our attention is on the things that are yeah. supposed to be on right um, and we do that in like July the 4th, Memorial Day. Um, there's things, you know, anytime your town, your little town wants to have a parade. Yes. You have to prepare for these things yeah. and you get the community excited and you come out and you celebrate because there was something really important that happened. Yeah. And you want to make sure that you pass that on to your children. And that's what we do during this time of Advent. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like that Dr. Lancaster pointed out in here that Researchers have noted, other than Easter, more conversions happen during Advent and Christmas than any other time of year. Why do you think that is? I think it's because it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful it's, story. And it's the beginning. I think when we tell people about the beginning of what Christ did, just to start with, yeah. I think that's moving. At least for me, it's very moving. It is very moving. I think it has to do a lot with also our preparation. You, this is the only Easter and Christmas are the only times in in our society where, I mean, everything stops in a sense, so that True. you can get together with your family. You have to make this meal, you have to you know wear your new clothes on Easter, or you have to think about other people and think about the reason why you're giving. I think it's the preparation. Yeah. Uh, and so like, um, that's why we do all these things is because. Our whole society for at least one week, you get to go hunt, you know, your Easter Easter eggs eggs and get your candy and you get to give presents and there's something special about it. But it's intention. Like basically this whole, like in Christmas, at least two weeks, you're super intentional about everything, but you're putting lights up and you're celebrating this thing. That's true. This makes me think that, um, you know, it is important for us to prepare for these things in in the ways that we, we do. It is one of my favorite times of year. There's, there's nothing like for me and, and last year I had my grandchildren living with me and it was this amazing moment 
of these two little girls just staring up at this lit up tree right? in awe and wonder and and what a beautiful what a beautiful moment that was that yeah. was great uh, the other thing I think that uh, this brings up is that peace is offered to us amen yes. in Jesus Christ regardless of any of the things that are happening in society no matter what's happening necessarily in your own personal mm -hmm. existence uh, we have a king of peace and we're invited into it mm -hmm. even at our lowest point that's what the prophecy was saying the bruised reed Christ will not break but will heal or the smoldering wick when you're at your very 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 bottom uh, Christ can put the flame back and so that's opposed to other worldly systems that seek to squish you, squish you yeah. and seek to break you so that you can just fall in line. That's, that's not what this is about. Mm -hmm. uh, the suffering servant has come to free us and to give us peace. Amen. Um, well, what are some of the ways then that your family? Sure. So several years ago, um, our family, of course, keeps expanding. Like most families, you know, we've gotten, we hope. we hope, yeah, we've gotten married and had kids and now we just have, we have more and more nieces and nephews. And so several years ago, we decided that as the adults, we're not going to do exchange Christmas gifts anymore. And so what we started doing was a family basket. So for my family, we would, I would make things like crocheted top towels or I would find some really cool right. jams and jellies or some years I've made fresh baked bread and I would bring this basket to them and this was a, this was a family gift. And then for my nieces and nephews because I'm the only one, you know, that lives away from my family. My mom says I keep moving further away from her. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but with them I only see them a couple times a year. So instead of Christmas gifts, we do Christmas craft projects and it is specific time that they just get to spend with me that we sit down at a table and make something that they get to take home. And for me, that's been really special. And I asked him one time a couple years ago, cause my nieces and nephews are getting a little bit older. I'm like, do you still like doing this? And they were like, no, this is, this is great because then they get to take this thing home. And even though we only get to see each other a couple times a year, every time they see that sitting in their room, they think about the time that we spend together. Yeah. And it's special. Yeah. We get to talk about Christmas gifts in the next one. Rock on. I'm okay. excited about that. So, um, in, in my family, like, like you said, it's really weird the way our, the first Christmas that I had alone, I was in St. Louis and poor as poor could be. And, um, happens to the best of us. Yeah. Didn't have <laughs> cable or anything like that. Couldn't afford to go to, I don't even know if there was a blockbuster at the time. Couldn't afford to go to Netflix. Um, so my, the, uh, ritual for me, I had rented the Godfather trilogy. And so my first Christmas oh my Eve alone was uh, the Godfathers, <laughs> and I made meatballs and spaghetti. And so I do that every year still. And I invited that when I got married. Um, we still do that on That's Christmas Eve. Amazing! I'll have you the Godfather. Watch the Godfather trilogy. Don't really watch the Godfather much anymore, but we have everybody come come to dinner. Or sure. At Margaret Hank, we had a ten o'clock service, and after the service, we would make meatballs and open up presents and. Fun. And so that was something that we yeah. did. Yeah. So, and and it you know it's not for the meatballs. It's 
because I, this is special for me yeah. and I want to share it with somebody. Yeah. Which leads us to the discussion question on applying the scripture. Yeah. Think of a way to be intentional about inviting people to a relationship with Jesus Christ, reminding them of the reasons we observe all the holiday traditions and practices. Share with one another or share with one another practical ways that that can be done. Again, keeping in mind that yeah. this is a season where Christmas and Easter, where people mm-hmm. are converted. What is a way that you can be intentional about inviting people to a relationship? I think, Christ? like, for me, I just moved to a new neighborhood. So part of that intentionality is... How'd yeah, your party we go? Had, we had <laughs> a great neighborhood block party just... Um, well, from this recording, it's been a couple months back now, but um, it was an awesome time to get together with our neighbors. We invited all of our immediate neighbors over. We had a little over 20 people that showed up. Very good. And it was just a great time of sitting around and getting to know each other and understanding who my neighbors are as people and their children. We live in a neighborhood where there's a lot of children, so that was really fun. And this is a great opportunity and way to invite people to come to service with you. If people are kind of on edge about coming to church, Christmas and Easter are probably the two best times to get people to come because it's such an also secularly celebrated as well that it's a little bit easier for people to be invited to church during this time so that's something i'm definitely doing this year is um i know owensboro does a um i think they do a christmas eve um party or christmas Mm -hmm. eve service celebration so i'm definitely going to be inviting my neighbors to that um one of the things that i i've realized when i was a kid christmas irritated me really so irritated me um, because I was in retail. Well, I was in the food oh, world. Yeah. People were so cranky. I was at a restaurant for 12 hours a day. All I heard was Frosty the Snowman 18 <laughs> times. And it just gets oh, frustrating. That's but funny. after I became Christian, I started thinking, well, if I don't enjoy this, why would anybody else? Sure. And then when I had kids, my kids are the same way. They get so irritated at Christmas. That's funny. And I thought... I'm not going to do that. So I started actually enjoy putting up the Christmas tree mm-hmm. and inviting them over. And, and, I've, and I've, I've told myself, like, if Christmas is frustrating you, you're doing Christmas wrong. That's right. You're Christmasing wrong, right? If you don't get caught up on the peripheral things and, and you do stick with this. I mean, this is a love letter that's oh, man. the greatest one ever. That Jesus died my soul to save kind of, yeah. kind of thing. And, and yes. It's worthy to, to celebrate for sure. What else you got on that? Anything on the? I don't think so. Just, you know, look at ways. I would really encourage you to look for ways instead of looking at the consumerism of, of this time of year to celebrate Jesus and yeah. in ways in any way that you possibly can, you know, to, to enjoy this season and and celebrate what God has done for you instead of looking at the the consumer aspect of this holiday. Yeah. Um, And then when you read through Isaiah 42, that's the spirit by which Christmas comes. Mm -hmm. It's, it's like the, for the Israelites, it was the coming home and receiving a salvation and then also being charged to share that salvation with every, this is what we do. We, we're, we're waiting for that second advent. So we get to go home. Uh, so so we go home, but I mean, like in Christ, we share this message of good news and hope. Mm-hmm. 
just so far as if you wanted to connect this lesson to the confession of faith, um, what I have in here is 3.01. God acts to heal the brokenness and alienation caused by sin and to restore the human family to community through the reconciliation affected in Jesus Christ. I mean, I think that's what Christmas is. Absolutely. And we'll talk about that next week because it's Christmas next week. Amen. Um, My favorite. And then I've got 3.02. Again, God acts to restore, restore sinful persons to a covenant relationship, the nature of which is that a family. It is established through God's initiative and the human response of faith. That's exactly what was happening when the Israelites were coming back from Babylon. They were being restored to the covenant community. They were being restored to a covenant uh, relationship with God. And then I'll just uh, read 601 through Jesus Christ. God frees persons from the shackles, mm. oppression, and shame of sin and sinful forces. I'll let you read the rest of that. And then 6.10 talks about Christian stewardship. Uh, that because we've been given uh, this salvation, we act accordingly. And then we share our resources and stuff with other folks. Amen. All right. You want to, what a great time. You send us out. All right. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he his, I let, make uh, his face, make shine, his upon face shine upon you and give you peace. peace. Amen. <laughs> Bye, everyone. See you next week.